Welcome to The Art Career, a space breaking barriers by letting you sit in on candid, straightforward conversations with leading art professionals in visual arts, writing, music, theater, and film. I'm your host, Emily McElreath, and I invite you to join me for inspirational conversations with icons of our generation. We dive deep into topics like self-development, career trajectories, mental health, social justice, and the artists that have changed our lives. With each episode, our mission is to empower you, expanding your journey through the arts. Join us for new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. The Art Career is thrilled to announce its partnership with Glimpse. Glimpse Guides are a collection of luxury guidebooks with an outstanding social mission we are proud to support. Featuring the best of hotels, restaurants, activities, and itineraries, For each featured city, Glimpse Guides also include recommendations and travel tips by a curated selection of tastemakers. The most exciting part of Glimpse Guides is 100% of their profits go to Give a Glimpse, which provides funding for educational travel scholarships for underserved students. What is better than that? Glimpse believe that travel is the most important form of education, and it is their mission to send as many deserving students abroad as possible. Glimpse also offers luxury trip design services with VIP perks like early check-in, room upgrades, restaurant and spa credits, welcome gifts, and more. Glimpse has quickly become our one and only travel planner. Go check them out at glimpseguides.com. And tell founder Jordan Rhodes that the Art Career Podcast sent you. Welcome to season four of the Art Career. We begin this season on a beautiful September fall day in a kitchen in New York City's Chinatown. Before we sit down for our interview, artist Matthew Tully Dugan cooks the most delicious small plate for my editor Ben and myself. It was Thomas Keller's potato pavé with whipped roasted bone marrow, salt cured egg yolk, hackleback caviar, and wasabi microgreens. It was delicious. So the episode will start when we have began tasting this amazing little bite. Cheers to a new season and thank you always for your support. Matthew Tully Dugan is a New York City-based multidisciplinary artist born in Rochester, New York. The artist's interest spans celebrity, psychology, pop iconography, privacy, and fanaticism. Dugan often employs promotional, social, and found imagery in a practice motivated by digital media's physical and emotional divide. His paintings, sculptures, installations, texts, and curatorial projects collapse the popular and the subculture 
the collective and the personal as a means of processing contemporary conditions and their impact on the psyche. Recent exhibitions include solo shows at Will Schott in New York City from 2023, 56 Henry, also in New York in 2022, Love Club 2021, as well as a public works in collaboration with Half Gallery. Dugan also runs a curatorial program, Art Death, and yearly exhibitions in Miami Beach. And before we start, I just want to make an announcement that Tully will open his latest installation, Inferno, at Lomax's new Walker Street project space this Halloween. It will be up until November 5th. So this episode will be airing on the 19th, and you'll have a few weeks to go check out Tully's amazing installation inferno at lomax's new walker street project space for halloween can't wait to see you there got some caviar this morning for you guys because I just thought that was get the fuck out of here I thought that would be the right thing to do (laughs) oh my god I gotta gotta go back in time a little bit so I'm gonna just so what's so this is just um, this sauce is just a reduction of this stock that I made the other day after reducing it I hope it didn't get bitter on me it looks a little dark but after reducing it you add butter um, to give it a little bit of a glisten, shine, and richness, and fullness. Um, this is my whipped uh, bone marrow here, um, which is like, you know, I use these uh, marrow bones to make my stock. Okay, and then we have these cured eggs, uh, salt cured egg yolk, which is the first time I've actually... What does that even mean? Attempted that, so basically you just, uh, you... You take the yolk and you put it in. Oh my god! <laughs> you put it in salt. Look at this fucking thing. Uh, for 16 hours it's and like it a basically jewel. it yeah it turns into like a little gemstone almost. So we're gonna just place that up there, and then we're gonna do a little dash of our. Caviar. All right. Full disclosure, Mm -hmm. I've never had caviar before. Everyone in my life has had caviar. (laughs) I haven't. My mother's like really allergic to it. Okay. So So I've always been like. Keep it light. Just keep it light. But this is my first time. Is it your first time? I have had caviar. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just do a small dollop here. (gasps) Just top with some wasabi. Microgreens for a little kick, and there we go. 
That's a pretty nice looking plate. It's so gorgeous. Well, let's see how it tastes. It, it could be, uh, you know, again, with these uh, cured eggs, I've, uh, I've never tried that before. Okay. Um, they could be, old, you know, they could be really salty. It could be like, you know, it could be a disaster. It's always fun to try this all with you too. I'm not gonna send you, I'm not gonna send you down a dark hall that I wouldn't go down myself. Look at this egg. I've never seen anything like it. Pretty amazing, right? Oh, I forgot the bone marrow. Yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> it's easy to lose track when you have this many things. Yeah, and I just, I really started getting into these, like, again, with the with the fake, this fictional restaurant. I was just, I kept thinking about the 90s and, like, plating in the 90s and, like, all these, like, things. And so, you know, stuff like this is, like, I don't know, not really what's, like, in vogue right now I don't think like in the culinary world necessarily okay. um it's like a little you know people aren't like fussy like this in the restaurant so much anymore there's been a real like shift and you know people want things to be more like I, I, I don't know I don't know it's tricky to say I've also like only gone to a couple of like really nice restaurants in the city to be honest and it's just hard, it's so expensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, you know, it's like, if you have enough fat and... Uh, Salt? <laughs> yeah, it's like everything. You can't really go too, can't go too wrong. And my hope is that this egg is gonna kind of like, be sort of like uh, jelly on the inside and it'll um, kind of pour out a little bit over the top of our thing here. It's the first time I've used caviar. Really? In a dish. But it just seemed like the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> I think it could use a little more of this microgreen. Oh my god. It doesn't need anything more. Holy shit. Oh my god, Tully? What? That's really fucking good. Tasty. Oh my god. Success. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, it does get a little um, scary at times because you do spend so much time and energy like getting some of these elements figured out. And you know, you could get to the end and be like, oh For man, sure. it tastes like so disgusting. <laughs> to announce its sponsorship from the New York Studio School for season four. Founded in 1964 as an intensive studio arts program with an emphasis on perception, artists learning from artists, and drawing as the most direct means of describing one's ideas or experiences, the Studio School offers an array of full-time and part-time programs that prioritize small classes and individual guidance from dedicated instructors distinguished in their fields. It is located in the heart of Greenwich Village in a national historic landmark building that was once home to the original Whitney Museum of American Art. 
The school invites you to join its free public programming, including the evening lecture series, which for more than half a century has been a cornerstone of the New York City art world and can now be experienced worldwide via live streaming. Visit nyss.org to enroll in classes, see what's on in the gallery, register for evening classes, and more. To learn more about full-time study at New York Studio School, schedule an in-person tour or a virtual meeting by emailing info at newyorkstudioschool.org. tend to become a bit of the um, relationship between um, an artist and a collector, an artist and, For a, sure. and a dealer, you know, it's, a, it's about trust, you know, yes. and um, I think that that has like worked so well to my advantage just because, you know, I, I work hard to make sure that the things that I'm doing and the ideas I'm proposing to people are things that they can trust, you know? And although the concepts might be a little hard to grasp at times or, you know, if situations seem a little precarious, even like for a gallery um, that I want to work with, like say with Will Schott, um, you know, I was like, hey, I have this idea and I that idea only exists in my mind. <laughs> and I can show you images of elements of that idea, but you're not really gonna understand. Until I'm doing until it. Until it's like 100% done and seen all the way through. And, um, you know, luckily uh, Will, you know, put a lot of trust in me and really kind of let me operate on my own level. And um, let me just turn this uh, oil off real quick. Yeah, oh. crackling away in there, burn the house down. Um, and I was just so grateful that he um, not only, you know, believed in, in the idea, but also like went to bat. Like we were like, you know, driving to New Jersey to pick up these, um, you know, this furniture from the turn of the century that I just had to have as part of this installation to really, you know, kind of like, uh, immerse people in this space that I wanted to make um, feel like it was old and like had this certain quality to it that uh, I think was unexpected for people and you know at the end of the day the show turned out great I think and it yeah, was yeah I bought a piece from it yeah you know and I think that um, I don't know. I, I'm really grateful that there are people um, in the art world that are continuing to put their trust in me and um, give me the opportunity to um, to develop some of these ideas and um, and to and to keep you know moving these things forward. Uh, it's it can feel daunting sometimes when I do such a big installation like I'm like oh what's like is there ever going to be another idea like I don't know it seems like I'm pretty spent on <laughs> on images and an installation is such a huge it may not always be but it is a, a big part of your practice absolutely yeah um, I'm definitely 
um, most of the time thinking about works as part of an installation. Um, and that works for me as well, not having a studio because I can conceive of these things and basically like I don't need to be like producing these works right. like, all the time. Right. I'm like, I'm consistently developing the idea. And so then once the idea is together, then all I have to do is produce the works, you know, it's like, which for some people is, is a really intense thing. And it has been an intense thing for me in the past too. And I've just sort of learned how to get distracted by fire trucks outside and let that just dominate my brain. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's come to a point where I've made producing the work easier on myself. And that was kind of like why I started getting into silk screening and, and stuff like that. I still love to make oil paintings, but it's, it can be kind of painful. Um, just because I'm, I have, you know, this idea in my head of how I want something to look and I don't necessarily have these painting chops that, you know, some of these other painters may have spent years developing yeah. these, these classical techniques of, um, you know, building layers and things like that. But I've started to teach myself over the years how to do those things on my own. And, and, um, so you do not have any academic training in fine art? No, n no formal training in in the art world now um great. i did go to purchase college for like one semester i went to purchase college oh my god i went for a long time did you drop time. out too no i loved it <laughs> i loved it so much i actually loved parts about it um and i, I was, came from a i grew up in a wealthy preppy area uh -huh. So to go to purchase college and be around art and substance and beauty and challenge. Substance like drugs. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, that was, I never did drugs though. Hey, you, made you know, it I've up. never, I have top. never done cocaine wow. in my life. Impressive. And it's not, a, no, it's not a moral code. It's because I have a fucking anxiety disorder. Yeah, you're smart. And like... <laughs> I mean, my dad did a ton of blow, like my friends do coke. I've dated all addicts in my life. So like, it's very, but uh, yeah, no, I wasn't doing any drugs at Purchase. Okay, so you went for a semester and then you dropped out. And I guess I did study art history for that semester and did some art writing. Um, so that was one part, I guess, of, of art education that I did experience. Um, but I've always like been a writer as well. And, uh, I've, you know, I, I started writing like poetry at a, a, quite a young age. And, um, and so writing has definitely always been a part of my practice as well. Um, as well as music and, um, some photography. I've been doing more of that lately. Um, but I also think that's the beauty of you and who you are as, a creative I oftentimes use that word to describe us because it's I don't know for a lot of us it's not just one thing you know and yeah. you have this whole pile of talent that you and this isn't a compliment this is just you know you just you pull from mm -hmm. and I think more and more as everything becomes decentralized and as we move forward in our community that I don't know that just seems to be that seems to work better 
than the alternative, right? Yeah, than definitely. The one thing or the painter that's right. doing the one, right? right? It's not. Yeah, I don't want to go off on the tangent about like our attention spans now, but like. Right. No, it is true, and I think that. Um, I don't know. For me, I guess it's like some of the art that I was seeing, like, you know, when I was kind of in high school, just graduating high school, like really, you know, some of these things that were really pushing me to be like, oh, wow, like this is so impactful um, to walk into some of these installations. I would go to Sculpture Center or, um, you know, seeing you know, something like the, the crew master cycle, uh, Matthew Barney. What's better know. than that? Yeah. You know, like stuff like that, like in high school was so, so impactful for me that I was like, I want to, I want to create spaces that really, um, alter, you know, your perception of time and space and beauty and, and all these things. And the more that I kind of like dive into it, the more, elements I want to introduce, I think, in these installations. So, you know, like for the show at Will Shots, like I was going in there every day and lighting, kind of doing this ritual, lighting candles and burning this, um, this resin, um, incense of, uh, of myrrh and frankincense and, um, and people would walk in the space and be like transformed into a different time. And, and 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 I know that those memories like have stuck with people, and I know that like oh, yeah. you know that element of that show was really important, you know, and um, and and I I think that again it was just it that is stuff that's important to me. I remember like the first time I ever smelled um, you know a Trudon candle, and my mom had one, and. And I was like, whoa, this, this candle smells like 1642. And I went and started researching the origins what of the Trudon candles. And that was the year that they were, that they started making them. Whoa. And so, uh, you know, I think there's also something about kind of like tapping into some sort of spiritual history um, for myself that, you know, is connected in some way i i don't i couldn't explain exactly how but there's something about that time period that seems to uh be something that i kind of naturally have a certain understanding for or something or Mm -hmm. or an inclination for you know the the clothes and the and the art and um you know i think that that kind of really is what started um pushing me further into this um, sort of uh, vampiric um, kind of like headspace of like this ancient uh, vampire as like a, a fictional character that has lived through all of these, um, you know, through all of these eras and, you know, kind of similar to how they were, um, how they kind of like presented the vampires in uh, Only Lovers uh, Left Alive. And it was, you know, the the main characters were like, you know, the guy was like collecting guitars and talking about these experiences and had pictures on his wall of old artists that that were his friends, you know, from the 1600s or something. And what a um, beautiful movie. Yeah. um, I just saw it for the first time, like four months ago. Yeah. Yeah. um, Definitely. You know, seeing that again, like when that came out, I was already a huge um, fan of Jim Jarmusch and, uh, 
and having and having that like really strike a note i was like oh man like there's there's nothing better you know it's like uh it's like putting you know interview um you know putting interview with the vampire like in in a kind of like contemporary uh updated sort of context um that at the time felt really appropriate too i think that you know they were talking about jack white and detroit yeah. it was kind of like you know it was kind of like peak like I don't know, hipsterdom shit at that time. So it was, I don't know, it just, it really clicked um, in a lot of, in a lot of ways and, and made me continue to think about, you know, how I've, I, I continue to make work that is um, uh, almost as if I'm producing these works from another time or something. And that's, that's not always the case. No, it's not always the case. But for me, I want to back up for a second. I, the first day I met you, I was at, we were at Catherine Driscoll's. Mm-hmm. It's summer. And, you know, you walked into the backyard and I was like, who the fuck is this dude? Like, <laughs> who is this vampire that just literally, you know, and... I remember just like studying you, you know, just being like, and you weren't, which is weird because you are such a loving, friendly person. You weren't overly friendly that day. And so that, of course, I'm like intrigued even more. I'm like, I'm like, why, why isn't he like being silly with me and laughing? And like, and so I was just, anyway, I, and, and then like we started talking and, mm-hmm. and I, got to know you a little and I know and love Catherine so much and she loves you. So I was like, all right, this must be like a good dude, you know? (laughs) And then just like we all do, you go on someone's Instagram, you know? (laughs) I mean, that's what we do Start to catch up on the lore. Yeah, that's the first, and I'm looking at your, for lack of a better word, your aesthetic, Mm -hmm. right? And I've never heard the word vampiric. (laughs) I think that's such a cool word. But yeah, there was something for me, um, I'm going to use the word uncanny, Mm. right? From like the second I met you and then getting to know your work, that is what it is, right? It's almost like the prime example. We use the word timeless Mm. to talk Mm. about like an Audrey Hepburn or something like this. But like, this is also timeless, right? Something that a person or an art or an energy that it's it's bringing about something very familiar that we didn't we weren't conscious of yeah right so yeah. so yes like everything you're saying and this is something that I wanted to ask you I, when I was thinking about this interview, you know, there's the obvious question. You see you, you see how you dress, you know, you see who you are. And like, just like a Joe Schmo would be like, are you a vampire? You know? <laughs> and, and that's a valid question. Like, do you, what is the, and, and is that a culture that you study and are interested in yeah um or is that just your shtick like is that your you know i mean i guess like there's a certain point where like uh it stops being a shtick right like it's not a phase mom or something you know right and i'm sorry i didn't mean (laughs) to use that yeah it's not a phase i think that that's you know it's valid because i think that there are so many people that have um started to aestheticize um you know the sort of like goth or you know emo culture or something which not uh 
not necessarily uh in a bad way you know i think no, it's interesting you. you know how it's developed but you know yeah it's just it's a little different i mean i was you know i was a kid that wore uh like a, a vampire cape like every day you wow. know and like it was something that just really gave me a sense of comfort i think and i just had this really beautiful cape that was like lined with this red silk and I, it just always was felt kind of uh, empowering to wear this thing and to feel like I was being transformed um, into an entity that was um, this sort of like higher, um, maybe like idealized version of self or something mm. that existed outside of the uh, the natural elements of of existence and and you know mortality or something. I mean, I don't know that I was. I don't know that I was thinking about it uh, quite uh, as intensely as, as a kid, you know, but um, having having started, like, having an interest in it at such an early age, it's something that just has always been with me. I've always been really um, drawn to blood and um, really ancient, beautiful things and um, beautiful clothes and linens and artwork and and all these things and and they just give me such uh a sense of uh purpose in a way like the purpose is like beauty and like richness of like life and um you know but also like being in a position where like of course like when i was like dressing like that when i was young or you know even as i started kind of like getting into the more sort of like goth um you know sort of uh you know fashion wise sort of these elements like as you know someone that was like in in fifth grade or something wearing like a dog collar uh you know or, or things like that but it would be like i would have to like sneak that stuff out of the house you know because i didn't want to weird my parents out um and you know it definitely was something where it was like it was pretty uncommon i mean uh at that time obviously there was like a lot of that going on and there was a lot of like young kids getting into punk stuff just as they are now you know mm -hmm. and like um and you know it was like it was like the era of like new metal it was like corn and mm -hmm. uh rammstein and i was like really kind of like delving into all that in, into that sort of stuff and and it just it just felt like there was a lot of power there because it really freaked people out you mm -hmm. know and i always um i always kind of enjoyed that i liked um kind of like pushing pushing boundaries and and keeping people a little bit on edge and and just like um you know developing uh, a style that was unique and had a lot of different elements but i don't know yeah it's the 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 nature of it is that you know it was just uh it was natural i mean i i guess you could like draw parallels like I, I definitely grew up you know going to catholic schools um and going to church and and later in life i've kind of like started to realize that there is um you know there there are things and rituals um from that time that definitely uh wove themselves into my sort of like um into my psyche i you know i'm i i, I quickly uh decided you know when i kind of 
was getting into that age, you know, I was probably 10, 11, 12 or something. I was like, okay, I guess I don't actually believe in God and I don't really like the Catholic church and I don't really want to continue to subscribe to that. Um, which was like, you know, obviously a little worrisome perhaps for my parents, but, um, for me, it was just like, none of that made sense. And like, it wasn't like the fantasy that like I wanted to believe in or something like it just seemed so guilt ridden and fear based. Yeah. It's fear and all the stuff and you got to behave and you can't wear your hair long in school and just like rules. Like, I don't know. It's just so many of these like particular like, um, ways of like, to me, what seemed like, you know, the the antithesis of like creativity or being a creative individual. Or for us, what was spirituality? Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I was raised same as Mm -hmm, you in the mm -hmm. Roman Catholic Church, you know, and to have that be taken away from us and have the antithesis of that. Yeah, it's just I forgot the point I was just making and I didn't want to interrupt you because I loved what you were saying. Um but yeah, that was a, and to be told that that, that is what God is, right, right at a young age, um, and to believe that, um, yeah, that like spirituality and God lives there. And maybe that's what I was feeling with you, you know, from a very young age, I was, you know, not in a place that I belonged and I always like sought out this other, Mm -hmm. you know, wherever, whatever that was way outside of it and really like paved my own way, which Mm -hmm. you've done too. So continue about this spirituality. So do you believe in God? Uh, no. Um, I think that, um, uh, there are definitely like certain elements of, uh, being, raised in the Catholic church that I think are like that are good or positive or something that I may be aligned with. Like I definitely, um, you know, even like this idea perhaps of like angels or like, um, you know, guardians or things like that. Like, I think that there's definitely, um, some strange validity to like, um, spiritual entities that exist. But can't that be, so are you an are you an atheist? I think that that's like probably the the easiest way to like. Well, it sounds more like agnostic because right. I guess agnostic maybe because is like I feel like because it's about knowing. It's about like understanding, and it's about like or it's about not know. Right? Yeah, I'm distrusting like, um, like what maybe somebody is telling you it's like okay, I want to like I'm gonna learn that for myself. But it I just wanna, seems like, to me like you are a believer of things existing outside of yourself oh absolutely and i'm I like think a that big that is the the definition of an atheist this is what i'm saying we have been conditioned to understand god as a very specific entity when like god can be this plate right like it can be yeah. anything outside of yourself that's existing with an energy that is driving yeah i think it's like energy is like the right is the right um word you know i think that um i think that that's kind of what i do believe in is like energy and like um maybe that's like a really vague thing to say or something but you know that energy exists like beyond you know our realm of perception and 
um, you know, maybe it could be, um, you know, articulated in this way of like believing in ghosts or the afterlife or things like that. And I think that those things are definitely real. And I think that, um, I think that energy, you know, can stick around for a long time and, and moves and operates in all these different ways. And, and that's something that I do trust. And I think that I trust it enough that I've used my belief in, in the power of like, our ability to alter energy and to push energy around is like what has given me the ability to flourish in in my own life and career and um it's just kind of like it's it's a suspension of disbelief that i'm like i'm just like oh yeah like this is what's going to happen this is going to like occur and this is like all i need to do is just like get people excited about but that's what, what I about. see in you. I see you as a prime example of a entity that is able to move energy around and manifest things. And I really believe in that shit because mm-hmm. I do it all the time. Yeah, no, it gets scary sometimes how uh, how how real it is, and it's and so real. Yeah, and it can almost it can it can it can sideswipe you sometimes because you'll be like, ah, this is like this is okay, great. You have like ideas about like goals or you know things you want to accomplish or something um but i'll have like ideas that seem fleeting and then it'll like kind of come to fruition and i'll you know it can kind of it it, it can worry you because you're like oh man what if i like what if i'm have what if i have bad intentions what if i like you know am dabbling in in uh and moving energy around that's like fucked up or something it's like uh you got to be really cautious i think in how you and how you utilize um power yeah yeah totally and um and in that way like i don't know when i was a little bit you know when i was younger you know kind of early 20s i was i started kind of practicing a uh, some some voodoo and stuff um you know there was a store in rochester um where i grew up um that I would go to with um, the girl I was seeing at the time and she was really into these things and, you know, buying, um, you know, things for, for potions or practicing, you know, spell spells or, um, did these, they work these sort of things? And it, and it, it, it they always work, you know, it's like, if know. you, if you put energy into something like that, the thing is that it's always going to work. The, the trick is that you don't know the, the the alternate side of that is like it can it can give you what you ask for but it doesn't mean that you're getting what you want you do have to be really careful of these things and i do believe in witchcraft and i do believe in voodoo and i do believe in all of these things and you do have to be fucking careful yeah yeah for sure um i was with someone the other day that told me I was a druid Mm. and it was something I had never really thought about and it's a word that I've always thought was really beautiful and um I think not knowing really about it was always kind of like you know there was some mysticism about um what that was as an entity or something and and then I came to find out that it's like you know it has Celtic um roots oh Um, yeah and you know my family is is Irish Italian um and you know, so it was just interesting to have somebody pick up on 
something so specific like I, you know they couldn't have necessarily known that that was like my background or um you know whatever but they had a certain sense about me and um you know and it's interesting too because you know the druids were um kind of like outcasts and they were like they were outliers of the catholic church or whatever i i believe don't like you know obviously yeah i'm gonna be quoted because it's it's just being recorded as i talk out loud but <laughs> um you know they're uh they were you know they were like um they were intellectuals and although they had um this sort of mystic or spiritual um, role that they played, like in those in those times, um, it really was kind of more about like philosophy, I think, and like thinking, like deep thinking, and and a connectedness to nature and the world. It, and it, it I was don't pagan. know, the, it was, right? It yeah. was pagan. It was like the it was like proto. That's pagan what I was just gonna say. Yeah. That had to be mm-hmm. the very beginning yeah. of pagan practice and thought Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. spirituality that was not connected to an institution but connected to the land yeah yeah energy and nature totally and i've always really really um you know felt that connection and and i've always you know uh, uh, despite like loving living in new york and wanting to be like downtown and in the midst of this like really you know non-natural <laughs> setting uh I, I do love being in nature and um and there's something that happens there that you know has always felt like that is spirituality to me it's just Same. kind of like being in nature and like having these um moments where you're um where you're just really acknowledging um where you sit in the midst of it all or something and being like a medium or being a channel for these like energies that we were kind of talking about before is like, you know, I feel really, um, I feel lucky that I have, um, um, what seems to be, uh, an ability to sort of channel those, um, energies into, into these creative things. And, um, maybe like, especially like in writing, um, I, you know, I get to a point where I'm like speaking in tongues or something and, and you know since i started writing poetry like in middle school i think like seventh grade maybe was like the first time i like submitted a poem um for like a contest or something like that and i like gave it to my teacher and they were like so freaked out and they were just like they were just like is everything okay like are you like you're like experiencing stuff like at home or whatever and i was just like you know um you know, it, it, it wasn't what I was expecting. I was I was really kind of like, I was really proud of the piece and I was really excited to show it to the teacher. But because, like, of course that was going to happen. Yeah, no, right? totally. It just really totally freaked her out. But I think it was kind of like, she was almost just like, did you write this? Right. Or like, is this, like, how are these your words? Like I was writing in this really old fashioned way, you know, like kind of in this, um, you know, um, romantic poetry style. Um and that was before I, you know, it's like I wasn't like privy to um, the writing of like Edgar Allan Poe or, you know, some of these um, these writers that uh, had this 
kind of grand way of talking about life and love and nature and energy and all these things, you know, it was like, those were things that I, at that age was just very unaware of, but somehow it lived inside of me or, you know, it wasn't necessarily in me, but like I said, you know, I was chant, I was, something was coming through me and, um, and, and these words come out and, and even most recently, um, I did, uh, I made a work that is a flag, um, that's now hanging, um, in the East village. Um, but, um, the flag is only half the work. The other half is this piece of writing. And, um, I hadn't like, I hadn't been inspired to like write uh, a piece of poetry in quite some time. I've been doing more academic writing and, um, you know, thinking, you know, more, um, uh, culturally, you know, just writing a lot about Kendall and art and art history and things like this. And, um, and so I was just like on the train, um, back to New York after being in Rochester for a couple of weeks this summer and something just came over me and I started like, uh, as it always starts, I start writing in my head and I'll have a couple of lines that feel really, um, feel really potent and strong and I'll recognize that and I'll be like, Oh shit, dude, like you've already started writing. You're going to forget what the first line is. Cause you're already on the third line, yeah. you know, and I'll just start, um, writing these things down and kind of let these ideas and these words start spilling out of me. And, um, you know, it ended up being, um, like a three or hundred, three to 400 word poem. um, that you know then you know i showed to a couple of people and they were just like um just totally thrown off or just like oh my god i can't believe like is this how you always write or is this you know like where is this piece of writing come from and you know and i think that there's like something about that that relates really directly to the work um uh about it existing in this in this sort of ether um, that I'm like pulling from and, um, and, and, and turning it into something real, something tangible. And, um, and. Which you are doing. Yeah. It's very obvious to me you're doing that because as I'm thinking about like the piece of yours that I bought. Mm. I don't, I have never watched an episode of the Kardashians. Uh -huh. I hate that shit. <laughs> um, and it's not about that. It's about this energy that you're putting into these tangible things. Yeah. And of course it's about that. Yeah. It's yeah. intellectual. Yeah. Right. And it's conceptual. And whatever we're gonna sound so woo woo and i don't care but like the energy of that piece like changed my home you mm -hmm, know what i mean mm -hmm. and i obviously i believe in this shit right like that's not i don't think everyone does but um yeah i think the the point is that attests to what you're speaking about mm -hmm. um yeah it's and I guess that goes back to you just being a con you're a conceptual artist, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I this is real, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I actually like poetry more than I like fine art. Mm -hmm. I, in graduate school, took just as many poetry classes as art history classes, and ended up doing my 
thesis on art and poetry. My point is not that I like took graduate poetry classes because that doesn't mean anything. I have been since like I was a little girl just so enthralled by poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't write it. I think poetry is it's also one of the hardest things to do. Definitely. Anyone can make a fucking painting. Not anyone can write a poem. Yeah. You know, like I consider myself a very intelligent, talented person that can manifest a lot of things. Like I'm not manifesting a poem, right. you know, and that's okay with me because yeah. I love reading. Right. Them right. So the experience much. of reading it is, you know, is like you have to almost, I think in life, like know your place with certain things. And I think that allows us to manifest what's right for us, you know, like to learn as we grow, what our place is yeah, on yeah. the planet. There was like a point in time, um, uh, like maybe like eight eight years ago or so, and you know, I was I had kind of just moved to New York, and I was you know make, starting to make work in New York like for the first time, and um, you know I had still kind of had these sort of. Uh, I don't know. I still had maybe these kind of like small town like expectations of like what I uh, thought my art needed to be or how to how to produce it or you know what who I was talking. I don't know. I just I you you don't really know what <laughs> what the art world is or what what it is to be an artist in New York until you're kind of like uh, totally um, in it, you know. And, <laughs> in and, it and like, yeah, there's no way to learn that other than no. to just live it and. Um, were you and born in Manhattan? No, you born, were born, born in Rochester. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but I, at a certain point, you know, I started, um, I would go back and, and, and work with my dad. Um, my dad's an industrial contractor and um, I've worked um, with his company, you know, from a pretty young age and doing demolition and you know he specializes in uh steel steel structures so steel coatings and things like that and sandblasting and uh, and you know that was always something for me growing up i was like okay like being like a laborer you know it was kind of like this um uh sort of feigned sort of insolence maybe about like being a laborer i was like i was reading like uh you know uh um Thoreau or something and I was like oh like I'm not gonna I'm never gonna be able to be an intellectual if I just keep working all the time like I'm not gonna have the time or the energy or the mental capacity to um, be a true artist and intellectual or something if I'm just like in a trench like shoveling fucking sand you know um, and killing myself and it was always something that I had a little bit of you know there was like a little chip on my shoulder about it or something it's like an arrogance that you almost have to have in order to propel yourself yeah um but then like over time i um started to develop uh, an appreciation for that work and i started understanding like how important it was um in my uh formative years to have learned all of these things and understand materials and um and paint and um you know just uh tactile yeah, substances yeah, yeah, that yeah. you can actually 
work with yeah, and utilize. Definitely. And, you know, that was a lot of my education in terms of like, okay, like people maybe go to art school, you learn how to, I don't, I don't know, but maybe you learn how to prep a canvas or you're learning about rabbits can glue or, you know, these sort of things. I was learning how to prep steel, um, <laughs> you know, for industrial coatings and, and all of these different, uh, um, sort of, uh, industrial paints and uh two two part uh macro epoxies and all these sort of things so anyways um i started to gain uh, more and more appreciation for it and once i started doing that and posting a lot more about these weird projects i'd be doing um you know with with my dad's company we'd be in some some fucked up trench um you know sandblasting the inside of a fiberglass uh diesel fuel holding tank and i started posting stuff on my instagram and people were just like geeking the fuck out like just like oh my god this yeah, is like, like i love seeing these this? stories like wow like what the fuck are you doing you know and um and so it gave me a sense of pride about it you know that i never really yeah. like had before and um i had a conversation um with this artist daniel turner um who um was doing a show um uh with my brother's gallery when they still had the space out in Amagansett. Um, and basically Daniel was doing a piece where he was like rubbing um, steel wool on a wall. And that was the work was just the wall, just kind of having this, sh this kind of like patina like sheen where he would rub it and he would go back like uh -huh. methodically, like, you know, um, once every couple of weeks and add to it and like and it you know eventually became this kind of like stripe around the whole place anyways uh, a conversation that I had with Daniel was about how um, he discovered that once he really started um, uh, working and producing artwork in ways that were really true to himself and were just natural parts of his life and interest and experience that that's when people started really responding to his work right. and that it wasn't about like creating this, um, you know, this, this hot, you know, this high production value. It's high, like the definition of authenticity. Absolutely. You know, and like, you know, and so in, in figuring in, in, in him giving me that advice was like, so like it, it was impactful in ways where like, okay, I was thinking about it. Like he was like, Oh man, you're sandblaster. Like you should start making some, some shit, some work on steel or blah, blah, blah. You know, and that, and that is something that I've, I've done in the past. Um, and we'll definitely, you know, um, investigate more in the future. But, um, just him telling me to really just like focus on what is important to me and not like be trying to like, you know, create these objects that like are going to function well as art objects. Um, like once I start, like started thinking about my work in that way, um, you know, I think that's what really started tapping me into, um, you know, these sort of like um, ideas about studying vampire history and uh, like how that all developed. Like those are things to me, you know, these, the, the smells from the 1600s, you know, it's like all that shit. Maybe it's not like necessarily a part of my, my, uh, my reality or my life, um, in this, in this really specific or, uh, exact way, but it's things that I have like been interested in for so long and that means so much to me and like, and to really be able to, um, to articulate my ideas like through those kind of aesthetic gestures um, has been 
really life altering, I think. And I think that it's what's really, um, you know, and this also kind of goes back to, you know, having these working relationships of people that really trust you and trust your vision. Like I needed to trust myself before I could sell those ideas to anyone else, you know? Yep. And, um, and, and so now I've, I've developed that, um, confidence in my own ideas uh, just because the, I, I'm not faking it. I'm not like, I'm not aestheticizing my interests. I'm like, this is, these are things that I just like that just turn me on and just really, um, and make me feel excited about life and living and things that I want to share with other people. And, you know, I do really think that, um, you know, the, the best artists are, are artists that are generous, um, and are really committed to this idea of like giving, giving experience to people and um i think that that's just such a surefire way to like continue to be able to like make art is to like make things that like people just get so excited about um and are grateful for you know like people you know um aren't always like given these space i don't know i think that like there's so many artists that are trying to like make work to make them a career artist or something or they think that they're just going to be like okay like here's the sellable thing every time i've tried to make a sellable painting it's like it totally backfires on me and like i'm thinking like oh i'm i'm finally like breaking the code or like something silly like that and you think that you're like you know mastering this sort of understanding of like art market meets you know weird personal interest or something and and that is something that you have to be aware of as an artist and you have to get good at but um to try to like can't be the driving factor no you have to just be doing things that like that really resonate with you yeah yeah and And that's contagious yeah and that's like the same thing with food i think too you know it's like i have all sorts of like food problems and um you know sort of uh uh, anxieties uh, around food and you do? eating disorder sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's, you know, so to me, it's like when I'm when I'm making food, it's like, uh, it's really about like giving, giving someone that experience, you know, and um, don't get me wrong, I love eating food and I love um, going to incredible restaurants and tasting incredible things. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's It's something that uh, I guess I struggled with um, since I was maybe, uh, you know, 20, 20 years old or something. Um, and so I, I don't really know how much that plays into my interest in food and cooking and cooking for other people and probably and all these things. It a lot. I think it probably does. You know, it's like you're even, watching other people really enjoy yeah. something that you've in the past had a hard time feeling that yeah yeah and you know definitely like while i'm cooking you know like if i'm doing something that's like takes several days to to prepare um you know i made you guys like one bite of food that took me three days (laughs) to to get to that point you know what i mean and over the course of the last few days like i i haven't really been eating that much to be honest and um and it's it's kind of like uh you know uh consuming uh, become sort of like ancillary to survival or something. I just like, I don't, I don't, I don't think of it as like this necessity or 
I don't know. Um, but it's but like. But is it something that you ever enjoy? Def- no, definitely. And and I, I definitely want to be like clear about many that. Many close like, loved ones, men and women that um, have struggled with eating disorders. So yeah. I'm, I do not. It's like the one thing I don't struggle with. Um, but I'm very familiar with yeah, it. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So. So it's very complicated. Yeah, it is. It is complicated. And, um, and I think that, you know, it's something that I haven't quite gotten to the bottom yeah. of in terms of, you know, and it, and, and maybe that's just because I haven't really, um, I haven't really talked or written much about cooking. And I think that it's because I just don't really feel ready to do that yet. Yeah. I don't think I've like done enough and I, and I want to like, I want to just, um, you know, I need to just be kind of involved, I think, in the process and the practice of cooking before I can um, get to a place where I'm confident. I guess, again, you know, it's like if I'm going to talk about um, myself, my own interests, it's like I really need to be like I need to have uh, a clear sense of like where those uh, um, those inspirations are, are coming from or maybe where those those driving forces are. Because it's so developing. psychological and it's yeah. so emotional and it's so layered. Yeah. Food is yeah. same thing you're talking about with that candle. Those moments with food are like that. And that's why I say like really there are so many other experiences other than fine art that are so much more moving yeah. to me. Yeah. And yeah. like food and poetry are in that. Like I remember the only t- I remember I. I was at a restaurant um, with my ex-girlfriend, Carrie Shaw, who was a chef. And it was the one time I dated a chef. And it was like, I love food. Probably a little, I don't know. I say there's nothing disordered about my experience with food. I really eat um, probably more than I should and love food so much. It's I never skip a meal. Mm-hmm. It's I look forward to it probably too much. Whatever. We don't need to dive uh, yeah, into that, that right sounds, now. That sounds pretty like God, that sounds healthy enough to me. <laughs> um, but it was the one time we were sitting there, and my favorite food is and uh, there it's donuts. Like I love, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we were at this gorgeous restaurant, and this donut was served to me. <laughs> And like I took a bite out of it, and I could I could not fucking believe I started crying, yeah. like really crying. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, not that drunk, you know, like that was not <laughs> right, what that was happening. It, yeah. And so yeah, like I think that your your experience and what you're bringing to the table, no pun intended, with food is something that's going to be really powerful in your practice and already is yeah, right but yeah. like i think you're like fleshing this out right yeah now, yeah absolutely you know? and like yeah i'm just uh, again just really grateful that i have um you know people that are willing to to take a chance and like let me try to figure that shit out i mean when i did the when i did the first dorsia at 56 henry um how many people were at that uh, i think it was 14 people six courses and then you had the pieces for sale and the work was for sale um and you know all of that stuff like again as i was kind of like um 
laying out a little bit before, like, you know, I made all of that work, um, like the week before the show and I, you know, I developed the menu for like months, you know, leading up to the show, but did all my prep the day before with, um, um, a friend, uh, you know, a, a close friend. Um, and then did you Gabriella, serve everyone? And, and then I had, we, uh, luckily like had a couple of people that were like serving, um, why don't we do one upstate? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely like in a in a point now that I've started cooking again, people are starting to be like, "Oh, like, you know, I think that like, you know, the sort of uh the momentum is picking back well, because up." Because it can be both. You can have a Dorcia event, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. And then it it sustains as an exhibition. Yeah. Without the food yeah it's like your installations i think we talked about this when i put my piece in my home it existed in a very beautiful solid way outside mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that installation mm-hmm. definitely and it also exists right it's this and that doesn't happen a lot so yeah. i think that this concept of dorsia is like yeah i think it definitely has some longevity and um and as scary as it is for me to like commit to these um to commit to these dinners um just like um you know just because so many things can go wrong and so many things need to go right (laughs) in order for for it to all be pulled off i mean you know the first um dinner i like cooked on a grill out on the street in chinatown you know what i mean that's like a pretty fucked up thing to like try to make like an elevated dining experience like uh, as as an amateur <laughs> cook um, and like have things like go off without a hitch I mean I, I don't it was also the middle of the summer it was like 90 oh. degrees outside um, I mean there was just so many things um, that could have gone wrong and I just you know I had to just sort of persevere and do enough prep and you got to kind of just like I don't know you got to let it go a little bit too you know and you can't be so stressed where you're 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 burying yourself you know and uh and you just got to like keep it moving you know if something doesn't work out you know it's not the end of the world either if somebody doesn't like a dish that's fine people are really picky you know what i mean and like i make a lot of weird stuff i served you caviar today it's something you've never had before um you know it's like there is always an infinite possibility of um you know of things misaligning or people just having um you know hang-ups about certain stuff you know maybe you think um you know serving uh you know oysters and uh you know and 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 different things that a lot of people like have a lot of trouble with eating or just that think is gross or something you know it's like uh there's there's ways to there's ways you could get really hung up on th- wondering about okay, is this going to be okay for everyone? Yeah, is everyone going to be on board? To what and- you were saying before, and with that authenticity, it's mm. like if it's if it's right for you, mm-hmm. it's going to be right. Yeah, and, and people you, can. It's like yeah, people can take it or leave it. I you love know that I mean? phrase: take what you like and leave the rest. Yeah, you absolutely. know, like back to like churches and cath- like yeah. I fucking love churches and cathedrals. Yeah, I go same. into them all the time I always have and I'm obviously not a Roman Catholic right um as someone extremely passionate about mental health seeing a therapist is essential to my quality of life 
we'd like to take this moment to announce how thrilled we are to partner with the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling anxious, depressed, or even just overwhelmed, being alone with your thoughts can be an isolating feeling. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's that easy. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And just for the Art Career podcast listeners, we will offer 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash T-A-C. That's better, B-E-T-T-E-R, help, H-E-L-P dot com slash T-A-C. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring the Art Career Podcast. All right. So before we end, is there anything else that you wanted to promote, bring up, talk about before we end? Um, not not necessarily. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot coming up this year. Yeah. Um, and much like all of these things, you know, it's like they happen really fast for me. These projects, um, because I'm like, I'm really advantageous i think when it comes to um um seeing uh opportunities that maybe other people wouldn't necessarily think of so i will kind of like um i'll pitch these ideas to people and a lot of the time i'm like hey you know i got this idea like can we do it like in a month or something you know like can i do this in between shows and that's how dorcia happened you know i was just like hey guys like i know like you guys have a busy program they had just opened the new gallery space and it felt like I was like asking a really big favor, you know what I mean? And 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 that was fine because they were down, you know, and they, you know, ended up wishing that we could have like had a full run for the Kept show it up, and, right. and that sort of thing. That also made it cool because it was Dorsey and right, not everybody right. got to see There's it. You know, it was the exclusivity right. of it, like Fleeting it happened and exclusive. in real life. Um, um, but so anyways, there are there are a number of um things uh I'm trying right now to put together um then coming up um uh this winter um for miami um will shot is uh going to be bringing some work uh to nada um oh cool and so this is the first time i've been doing shows um in miami on my own for the past 10 years this is my 10th year going um to basel down there and doing my own show i think i've only missed one year um, and I've done a show every other year. And so this is the first time a gallery has brought me to an affair, uh, to, to a fair in, a, in an official capacity. That's so exciting. And um, so that's really, that's really great. Um, you know, love working with Will and so psyched um, for him um, to have gotten a chance to show at NADA um, after only having been, you know, up and running for a year. Not surprised. Yeah. I mean, he's crushing it and doing really great work and, um, and you know we've worked together in in so many ways, and so this is something that's that I'm really excited about. And uh, I'll still do my own show there as well. I think I'm I'm plotting that as well. It's always like you know an extra twenty things for me to accomplish in a really already hectic week. But um, you know I think that doing the shows that I do in Miami is important. You know both for me mm-hmm. and for the experience that people have in Miami. 
um, art fairs are kind of bleak, you know, and um, and it so can, bleak. yeah, and it can be, it can be a bummer, you know. I have so many artist friends that are just like, I would never fucking go to Miami. Like that sounds like hell on earth to me, you know. And I'm like, damn, I I love going there. I love yeah, going to the fairs. Yeah. Like I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, I like the bullshit, you know. I like the parties and 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 the silly stuff, you know. And I think that it's it's cool to to use that as an opportunity to show work by you know um young or you know um kind of like inexperienced like artists that are like oh damn like i wish i could you know i've felt the same way you know like i wish i could i wish someone was bringing me to miami like it's kind of like a party that you're like not getting invited to and that always felt a little shitty and so i just started doing shows where i was like oh let me let me give like young artists like a chance where to do you like, show them? um it, it's been different every year i've um i've shown in hotel rooms i've yeah, shown in see, the back of a is, truck yeah I've, this like, is why i love you i yeah, know airbnb yeah. i got an airbnb like i got kicked out of an airbnb because too many people showed up one year you never know what's gonna happen like sometimes you get two people to show up and you're like okay that's that's sweet i'm so glad that <laughs> you came and and uh and cared <laughs> right <laughs> you know um and yeah and so i've had other years where too many people show up and you get in trouble you know yep. they they they, yep. they call the cops on me you know so it's like um figuring out how to balance that has been um uh a tricky thing to uh to get good at but you know you never know what's what's going to happen so you just again you got to just kind of like trust your gut and um yeah so i have i have so an we'll idea look for, out this for you year. in miami and then yeah. la is la in the spring the spring uh-huh and uh yeah i'm sure and there'll probably be a like lot a in million th- yeah yeah it's like such, that was a stupid question <laughs> that i asked you and i like you am the person that I like I have an idea and I'm like cool can I can I do this in two weeks you know and everyone's like of course you can't what do you do and then like I do you know and it's not because I'm better than anyone it's because that is how my brain works Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like I would those gallerists that know the shows they're gonna have in like two years never could I do that I would never be able to that's why I don't own a gallery right (laughs) but um yeah, I have like this bank of ideas that like stay and then it'll be like I'll be like, okay, go with one. Mm-hmm, you know, it's a mm-hmm. very manic yeah, way of yeah. working. But I work in a very, very manic way. Yeah, it's fun if you can like do it without burning out or, you know, frying your relationships with people. Oh, or, I've learned as I get you know. I mean, I always say the best thing that's happened to me is like getting older because just every year that goes by I become more stable. Yeah. And I'm able to avoid burnout more. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is what I need to yeah. do. Set boundaries and, you know, know what you can do, know what your limits are and um because I have a lot of limits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I've, I've really, yeah. I've I've had to learn how to how to set limits for myself, you know, because I I, I definitely like get into a place where, um, you know, just going too hard or spreading myself too thin, and it takes a toll on you, you know, and in in all different parts of your life. So, yeah, you know, you you figure that out with time, you know. Well, this has been amazing well this has been so lovely and thank you guys um, so much for uh for coming over all right guys thank you so much thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the art career 
If you get value from this podcast, please consider helping me make more of these episodes by becoming an Art Career Premium member at theartcareer.supercast.com. That's theartcareer.supercast.com. S-U-P-E-R-C-A-S-T dot com. And please don't forget to rate and review. Every rating counts. Thanks so much.